Hello and welcome to this pay-per-view segment on climate change. Climate change has obviously been in the news a lot lately with the COP26, the United Nations Climate Conference, peopled by political figures, delegates and heads of state to commit to climate action to save the world, when in truth the plan is to transform the world in the image of the very agenda that I have been talking about since this podcast began back in February 2018 and for half my life now before this podcast in various forms through various means. In my book, Pay-Per-View in Print, obviously named after this podcast, I demolish the claim of human caused climate change and I'm finishing a new book at the moment which I've literally just stopped writing to record this segment in which I again look at climate change among many other subjects relating to this global agenda for which human-caused climate change has tremendous potential to advance, which is the reason for the hoax in the first place. This global agenda is overseen by a global cult, which I detail the background history and names of in my book, and the new one coming soon. The global cult sit atop a structure of secret societies, organisations and areas of society in each country and play out their global agenda through a global structure, which I also detail in paper view in print, available at paperview.uk. One of these organisations, is there will be a link to the book in the description. One of these organisations is called the Club of Rome, which was set up in 1968 to manipulate the environmental movement down the road of the global agenda. And the Club of Rome is part of an exclusive secret society called the Round Table, which was set up by the Rothschilds in the early part of the 20th century. And human caused climate change has been used to advance this global agenda. In my new book, I talk about the fundamental role the woke mentality plays in advancing this global agenda, while those who call themselves woke think they're challenging the establishment. I mean, it's it was it is it is laughable, but it would be funny if it wasn't real. They think they're challenging the establishment, but it's the very establishment that they're pushing the agenda of, which is imposing that agenda. When you see Greens, environmentalists, and Extinction Rebellion saying we're calling on government to take stronger action on climate change, they're actually giving governments the excuse to do what they want to do anyway, which is further advance and further impose the global agenda, which will apply to the woke and their families just as much as anyone else. That's the irony of it. And woke do the same in principle when they call on Silicon Valley internet giants to censor and delete accounts of people challenging official narratives, including on climate change. When, as I show in pay-per-view in print, Silicon Valley and the social media internet giants were created by the intelligence military network in America partly to censor alternative views challenging official narratives which means challenging the imposition of the global agenda using official narratives as the excuse to do so and challenging the imposition of the global agenda of the global cult which funds woke not least through people like George Soros a long time cult frontman and owns the intelligence networks which created the social media giants in the first place and when you see that all these apparently different institutions and aspects of the establishment are part of the same one web, it makes sense why what I've just explained would be the case. Woke is a front for the cult and the woke brigade are unknowing foot soldiers for the cult and their agenda. Here's an article. This is in the Daily Mail on COP26. 
rail workers battled through the night to repair storm-damaged lines that plunged COP26 into crisis with hundreds of delegates left stranded in London due to trains to Glasgow being cancelled. Rail engineers are battling through the night to repair... This was published on the 31st of October. To repair overhead lines brought down by storms that led to chaos on the network, dozens of trains being cancelled and hundreds of delegates unable to reach the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow. Network Rail last night admitted the extreme weather had got the better of us as they told stranded passengers at London Euston, the worst hit station, to give up, go home and hope the situation improves overnight. The railway company said they were truly sorry for the disruption caused by damage in the rugby, in the rugby area, which came at the worst possible time for people trying to reach the COP26 summit venue ahead of its opening. Journalists and academics were among the thwarted passengers who took to Twitter to complain. Some pointed out signage at Houston that trumpeted the rail network's green credentials, saying, thank you for travelling to COP by train. A spokesman for Network Rail, Chris Halpin, said last night, I'm afraid there are still major delays on the West Coast main line, and the advice once again is to not travel this evening. That's because the diversionary route by Northampton that we had been able to run trains is now not viable. We had problems on the West Coast main line along Buckby, because overhead lines were damaged by trees that had come down in the very wet and windy weather that we had overnight. We had been running a diversionary route that got a limited number of services back up and running again, but that is now closed and blocked because of problems with the overhead electric lines there. Our engineers are working as fast as they possibly can to try to get routes back up and running again so we can get people on the move, but our advice to people is not to travel. A statement from the rail company added, we're advising passengers seeking to get from London to Glasgow to travel, this is due to the impact, or not to travel, I guess. This is due to the impact of heavy rain as had on the railway today. All line north have been affected at times, including the West Coast main line, which remains impassable due to damaged overhead electric wires. We are truly sorry for this. We exist to get people in good, swiftly from A to B, but today's extreme weather got the better of us. National Rail's live departure and arrivals board showed delays to more than 20 trains, including those travelling to Glasgow Central, Liverpool, Lime Street, Manchester, Piccadilly, Crewe and Northampton. Avanti West Coast confirmed it was unable to run any services into and out of London, Houston and strongly advised customers not to travel. Climate change scientist Simon Lewis from University College London, who was on the 11am service from London to Edinburgh for COP26, said he had been stuck since 11.45am as a result of the weather disruption. By train to Glasgow, via Edinburgh to avoid the crash now stationary due to gale force winds and severe rainfall causing a tree to fall on the line. The scientist later added, this train ride is certainly Halloween themed. It's a true horror show, four hours late and no buffet since about 2pm. Elsewhere, David Johnson, who attended COP26's chief executive of the market, Pike Trust, said he was left sitting on, sitting on his train from London, Houston to Glasgow for more than half an hour at the station before being told to get off along with fellow passengers. He said, after an hour on the train uh, to Glasgow, which never actually left London, Houston, we were asked to get off. Back on the station concourse, we read the CRP signage. Thank you for travelling by train. The chats will be a fine thing. And even to reach the conference, Mr Johnson decided to book a flight from Gatwick to Glasgow, which he said does, of course, seem ridiculous. The irony of the climate impact in the trains, meaning a flight to the climate change conference is the only way to get there today, is not lost on me, he added. Elsewhere, another commuter described how their train had been heading to Glasgow only to return to Euston after issues on the line. Just before 2pm this afternoon, an announcement in the station revealed all train services had been suspended and the concourse was exit only due to overcrowding. 
pictures on social media showed the concourse packed with stricken travellers, many of whom were hoping to travel north for the climate conference which began on Sunday. Others reported being stuck on slow-moving or stationary trains, some for more than three hours, while others were forced to book domestic flights to reach the summit. It came as part of the UK made uh, saw tornadoes today, the Met Office said, after strong winds and rain battered the country. Gusts of over 80 miles an hour have been recorded, with reports of wind damage which caused major delays to travel out of London. The disruption at Euston came as a result of damage to overhead electrical wires between Rugby and Milton Keynes on the West Coast mainline. Network Rail said its teams are on site near along Buckby in Northamptonshire where the damage occurred. The company said it is working to remove the fallen tree before assessing the damage and beginning repairs. Travellers are advised not to go to Euston and instead check for regular updates. In a statement, National Rail said severe weather is causing disruption on various southwestern railway routes. Disruption is expected to continue until the end of the day. There have been multiple incidents affecting the southwestern railway network today. These include the following. And then it lists some, some of the incidents which cause severe disruption to trains and train crews. Uh, and then it goes on more about the effects uh, of the weather. I won't read it all. And then, here we go. Yeah, climate change scientist Simon Lewis said he was on the 11am service from London to Edinburgh, but has been stuck since 11.45am as a result of trees felled by the wind. We're moving a tiny bit every now and again, but I've not made it to Peterby yet, the first stop, he said. This is inconvenient and a reminder that climate change drives extreme weather events and every country needs to adapt. But a stopped train is nothing compared to the 2 million people displaced by flooding in Shanghai province in China last month and those facing famine today in Madagascar. The extreme weather comes as Boris Johnson today warned world leaders that promises on tackling climate change are starting to sound hollow as he read them the riot act ahead of the COP26 summit in Glasgow. The Prime Minister said there are no compelling excuses for a procrastination on procrastination on reducing harmful emissions and that the action already taken amounts to drops in a rapidly warming ocean. Speaking at the G20 summit in Rome, he said that only 12 of the club's members have committed to reaching a target of net zero emissions by 2050 or earlier. Dramatically raising the stakes, he said that if the forthcoming gathering in Glasgow fails to secure a major breakthrough, then the whole thing fails. Mr Johnson said world leaders must now flesh out the 2015 Paris Agreement on climate change, warning that failing to do so will leave the world's only viable mechanism for dealing with climate change hold beneath the waterline. The Premier escalated his rhetoric amid fears the summit in Glasgow could become a flop as he agreed the G20 pledge to achieve carbon neutrality by or around mid-century is too vague. When asked about the goal during a press conference, Mr Johnson said, I agree, and that is a function really of the gap between some colleagues and others. Some countries, as you know, have made commitments to 2060 rather than 2050. What they've said is 2060 or earlier, and what we want to do is bring those commitments earlier. The PM has been trying to use the Rome Summit of powerful nations, including China and Russia, to build momentum ahead of COP26, which formally got underway this afternoon, and we'll see world leaders meet for talks tomorrow. I point out in paper, if you in print, that a conflict with China has long been on the wish list of the West. They're demonising China over COVID, and they're, the aim is to demonise China over climate change uh, to justify a, a conflict but although the communique from the G20 backed urgent action, it gave more wriggle room for emissions to continue with an original goal of 2050 replaced by looser language. So the reason I bring that up, I feature that article, is because I talk in my new book about weather manipulation and how it's incredibly easy to do. And if you've got a climate conference that's emphasising the 
potential danger of climate change, then manipulating the weather in a way that our school talks about in terms of the what the weather is uh, has been for people travelling to this conference, then that's exactly what you'd want to do. Now, here's a few interesting articles on this. This is in the Daily Mail. Now, this was published in 2013. World's top climate scientists told to cover up the fact that the Earth's temperature has not risen for the last 15 years. I point that out in pay-per-view in print. Scientists working on the most authoritative study on climate change were urged to cover up the fact that the world's temperature has not risen for the last 15 years, it is claimed. A leaked copy of a United Nations report, which is also part of this roundtable secret society, by the way, which is pushing the COVID hoax through the World Health Organization and is pushing the human caused climate change hoax, which which another organization in the same roundtable secret society that it's part of, the Club of Rome, was set up to push. It's all one web. And that's why these different aspects of the web, whether it's secret societies, whether it's government, whether it's media, whether it's institutions, organizations, think tanks, Silicon Valley, work in concert in line with the official agenda at the same time. And we've seen that with COVID, for example. A leaked copy of a United Nations report compiled by hundreds of scientists shows politicians in Belgium, Germany, Hungary and the United States raised concerns about the final draft. Published next week, it is expected to address the fact that 1998 was the hottest year on record and world temperatures have not yet exceeded it, which scientists have so far struggled to explain. Now, this was in 2013, but the case, but that still remains the case in, now in 2021. The report is the result of six years' work by the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a political organisation, I exposed that in my new book, which is seen as the world authority on the extent of climate change and what is causing it, on which governments, including Britain, base their green policies. But leaked documents seen by the Associated Press reveal deep concerns among politicians about a lack of global warming over the past few years. Germany called for the references to the slowdown in warming to be deleted, saying looking at a time span of just 10 or 15 years was misleading and they should focus on decades or centuries. Hungary worried the report would provide ammunition for deniers of man-made climate change. Well, it would if it shows that what we're told about man-made climate change is not true or exaggerated. Belgium objected to using 1998 as a starting year for statistics as it was exceptionally warm and makes the graph look flat and suggested using 1999 or 2000 instead to give a more upward pointing curve. Never mind the truth. The United States delegation even weighed in, urging the authors of the report to explain away the lack of warming using the leading hypothesis among scientists that the lower warming is down to more heat being absorbed by the ocean, which has got hotter. What heats the oceans? The last IPCC assessment report was published in 2007 and has been the subject of huge controversy after it had to correct the embarrassing claim that the Himalayas would melt by 2035. It was then engulfed in the climate gate scandal surrounding leaked emails allegedly showing scientists involved in it trying to manipulate their data to make it look more convincing, although several inquiries found no wrongdoing. Inquiries by whom? And why do you need to manipulate the data if you're telling the truth? The latest report, which runs 2,000 pages, was shown to representatives from all 195 governments at a meeting in Stockholm. You can discuss 
who discussed alterations they wanted to make, but since it was issued to governments, they have raised hundreds of objections about the 20-page summary for policymakers, which sums up the findings of the scientists. What it says will inform, this was in 2013, well, it will inform renewable energy policies and how much consumers and businesses will pay for them. The report is expected to say the rate of warming between 1998 and 2012 was about half of the average rate since 1951 and put this down to natural variations such as the El Nino and La Nina ocean cycles and the cooling effects of volcanoes. A German climate scientist, Stefan Ramstorff, who reviewed the chapter on sea levels, admitted it was possible the report's authors were feeling under pressure to address the slowdown in warming due to the public debate around the issue. The draft report, which is not new research but a synthesis of all the work being done by scientists around the world, is likely to be highly disputed at the three-day meeting. It will make the case that humans are causing global warming with carbon emissions even more strongly upgrading it from very likely in 2007 to extremely likely it is man-made. But scientists are under pressure to explain why the warming has not exceeded 1998 levels, although the decade 2000-2010 was the hottest on record. When they say this or that year is the hottest on record, or this time period is the hottest on record, what you find is they don't actually encompass much hotter periods, like the medieval warm period when temperatures were hotter than they are now, as I talk about in pay-per-view in print. Alden Meyer of the Union of, of the Union of Concerned Scientists based in Washington said, I think to not address it would be a problem because then you basically have the denialists saying, look, the IPCC is silent on this issue. Jonathan Lynn, the spokesman for the IPCC, said this is the culmination of four years' work by hundreds of scientists where governments get a chance to ensure the summary for policymakers is clear and concise in a dialogue with the scientists who wrote it and have the opportunity to raise any topics they think should be highlighted. This is an interesting article in the Weekend Australian. We need more carbon dioxide, not less. I point this out in pay-per-view in print as well. This is from November 2014. Australian politics has been more influenced by the climate debate than any other country. Yet Australia is responsible for only 1.5% of global CO2 emissions. Perhaps this speaks of Australia's extraordinary commitment to the international community. Yet Australia has threatened to hobble its own economy while much larger nations take a pass while making pious pronouncements. I am sceptical that humans are the main cause of climate change and that it will be catastrophic in the near future. There is no scientific proof of this hypothesis, yet we are told the debate is over, the science is settled. This is written by Patrick Moore, who has uh, done a good job speaking out against the human-caused climate change official narrative. He says, my scepticism begins with the warmest certainty that they can predict the global climate with a computer model. The entire basis for the doomsday climate change scenario is the hypothesis that increased CO2 due to fossil fuel emissions will heat the earth to unlivable temperatures. Computer models, which have been constructed in part in Britain by Professor Neil Ferguson, who also produced computer models, which justified lockdown in Britain and in America in the spring of 2020. And he has a horrendous record computer modelling, but he keeps giving the government what they want, so they keep asking him to produce computer models. Patrick Moore goes on, In fact, the Earth has been warming very gradually for 300 years since the Little Ice Age ended long before heavy use of fossil fuels. Prior to the Little Ice Age, during the medieval warm period, Vikings colonised Greenland and Newfoundland when it was warmer than there than today. 
And during Roman times, it was warmer, long before fossil fuels revolutionized civilization. Looking back over millennia, today the Earth is colder and has a lower level of atmospheric and has a lower level of atmospheric CO2 than during nearly all the history of modern life. The idea that it would be catastrophic if CO2 were to increase an average global temperature or to rise a few degrees is preposterous. Recently, the IPCC announced the, for the umpteenth time that we are doomed unless we reduce CO2 emissions to zero. Effectively, this means either reducing the population to zero, or going back 10,000 years before humans began clearing forests for agriculture. This proposed cure is worse than adapting to, war to a warmer world if it comes about. By its constitution, the IPCC has a hopeless conflict of, conflict of interest. Its mandate is to consider only the human causes of global warming, not the many natural causes changing the climate for billions of years. We don't understand the precise workings of the natural causes of climate change any more than we know if humans are part of the cause at present. But if the IPCC did not find that humans were the cause of warming, or if it found that warming would be more positive than negative, there would be no need for the IPCC under its present mandate. To survive, it must find on the side of the apocalypse. Either the IPCC should be reconstituted with a larger membership of UN bodies. It is now a partnership between the World Meteorological Organization and the UN Environment Programme, and its mandate expanded to include all causes of climate change or it should be dismantled. Climate change has become a powerful political force for many reasons. First, it is universal. We are told everything on Earth is threatened. Second, it invokes the two most powerful human motivators, fear and guilt. Uh, any anyone reminded of the COVID hoax there? We fear driving our car will kill our grandchildren and feel guilty. Third, a powerful convergence of interests among key elites support the climate narrative. Environmentalists have spread fear and raise donations. Politicians appear to be saving the earth from doom. The media has a field day with sensation and conflict. Science institutions called science because they promote the cult narrative raise billions in grants, create whole new departments and engage in a feeding frenzy of scary scenarios. Businesses want to look green and get huge public subsidies for projects that would otherwise be economic losers, such as large wind farms and solar arrays. Fourth, the left sees climate change as the perfect means to redistribute wealth from industrial countries to the developing world and the UN bureaucracy. The left, the woke. So we are told C CO2 is a toxic the article continues. So we are told CO2 is a toxic pollutant that must be curtailed when in fact it is a colourless, odourless, tasteless gas present at 400 parts per million of the global atmosphere and the most important food for life on Earth. Without CO2 above 150 parts per million, all plants would die. I point out in my new book that when you see talk of climate change on the news or on television, whatever, and you see billowing uh, stuff coming from factories and stuff that's pollution uh, of, of other kinds like nuclear power and stuff you can't see CO2 as Moore points out in that last paragraph you can't see it so when you see the pollution on the news and they say oh, they talk about climate change that's not carbon dioxide because if it was you wouldn't be able to see it over the past 150 million years, CO2, uh, more continues, had been drawn down steadily by plants from about 3,000 parts per million to about 280 parts per million before the Industrial Revolution. If this trend continued, CO2 would have become too low to support life on Earth. Human use of fossil fuels and clearing land for crops have boosted CO2 from its lowest level in the history of the Earth back to 400 parts per million today. 
Are 400 parts per million all our food crops, forests, and our natural ecosystems are still on a starvation diet for CO2, while one wing of CSIRO promotes the IPCC line, another is demonstrating the positive impact of the small increase in CO2 over the past 50 years due primarily to fossil fuel use. A 10% to 30% increase in plant growth in many regions. Australia is benefiting more than most because its vegetation evolved for dry conditions. Increased CO2 means plants don't need as much water, so our deserts, our deserts even, are lusher. The optimum level of CO2 for plant growth, given enough water and nutrients, is about 1,500 parts per million, nearly four times higher than today. Glasshouse growers, or greenhouse, uh, if you call it a greenhouse, inject CO2 to increase yields of 50 to 100%. Farms and forests will be much more productive if CO2 keeps rising. We have no proof increased CO2 is responsible for the slight warming over the past three, 300 years. There has been no significant warming for 18 years while we have emitted 25% of all the CO2 ever emitted. Yet we have absolute proof CO2 is vital for life on Earth and plants would like more of it. Which should we emphasize to our children? The IPCC's followers have given us a vision of a dying world due to CO2 emissions. I say, Moore says, the Earth will be a lot deader with no CO2 and more of it will be a very positive factor in feeding the world. Let's celebrate CO2. What we're seeing is two global hoaxes being pushed at the same time to advance the same agenda. And this is why the COVID vaccination passes are green passes, fusing the two agendas. Check out my interview with Dr. Jatsi Chen Lindsay on the COVID vaccine and also episode 78, in which I go into great detail about the COVID vaccine. And the common theme between both of them is global centralization of power, which is the whole goal of this agenda, eventually a world government dictated to every country. And I lay out what this agenda is, not just climate change, but the global agenda of the cult in general in paper, view, in print, and show how climate change is being used to advance that agenda in that book. This is why knowing the agenda is so important, because you are then streetwise enough and can see why things are happening. You can see the true context. And this is why you've got people like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, which simulated a coronavirus pandemic shortly before the fake pandemic broke out for real. In December 2019, we're told it broke out in China. And this is it's all part of the plan which the World Economic Forum promotes of a great reset and to build back better after the devastation caused by the COVID hoax and building back better will be achieved in the image of the cult's agenda. And it's not the world that's going to end, it's human freedom that's going to end. And the woke are all about division. What they do fosters division, division between different races, division between different genders, division between income bracket and anyone who believes anything different to them and what we need to do is unite behind what affects all of us which is the imposition and the completion if we allow it of the cult's nightmare agenda and we need to come together now in mutual support to protect what is really in danger of extinction and that's human freedom